0: Well, this morning, we're going to dive into something kind of cool. Uh, we're going to talk about getting an attitude. Now, it depends who you're talking to. So if you're talking to your teenagers, say get an attitude, they say, I got one. You know, um, if you, uh, it depends what mood you're in. So, but I'm talking about a Thanksgiving attitude. We need to get a good attitude. And our attitude reflects in how we live. I know you, th- some people think, yeah, we know it's important, but do you actually know why it's important? Important to have a good attitude and why scripture encourages us to be thankful well, I'm going to talk about it today I'm going to also walk through some steps, of, steps on how uh, can we practice uh, a thanksgiving attitude so I hope to have a little bit of fun with this Ephesians 1, we touched on this last week, this slide and the next slide Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Right there, that should be the greatest Thanksgiving uh, sermon. Right there. He chose us in his sight to be without fault. So for those of us who might be beating ourselves up because we think there's a fault, there might be in your behavior but not in your nature not in the real you, not in who you really are, do we always act out of who we are? Or do we sometimes act according to a false self we've come to believe about ourselves? Yes. Well, you're standing before God without fault. You are already chosen to be holy. You're already holy. You don't have to try to become holy. I read a book years ago at camp uh, called The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. And at the time, it impacted my life, but years later, I look back and what was I thinking? I didn't see that I was already holy, and the book promoted the idea that I wasn't. Therefore, I had to become more holy, and here's the steps of how to become, and not only become, but maintain your holiness. Whose job was it? Mine! How many times have we been taught it's up to us to stay right with God? How many times have we been told, here's your steps to get right, here's the steps to get forgiven, because God can't handle sin. No, 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 he's too holy. Well, why does he then? There's an Old Testament text that uh, implies that God can't stand sin, and uh, he's too holy for that. And they take that verse, and they forget that two verses later, it says, but why do you then, if you're so holy? Like, this God we say we believe in is better than we thought. Even before he made the world, before creation, he loved us. You are loved. There's never a moment in time you're never unloved. You're always loved. Always. There's never a time. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is, what we, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And the response to this good news is, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. This is a natural, supernatural response. You are a supernatural being. You are a spirit being. Your spirit responds to the good news with joy, with thanksgiving, even though your biters are going, you know, praise the Lord, mm-hmm. you know the charismatics are all jumping all over the place, the, the little more serious group there, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> your expression, whatever your personality is, that isn't the issue. What's your spirit doing? Is your spirit rejoicing? Are you excited in your spirit? It does not have to show in your face, although it's easier to teach when I see responses, you know, instead of stare you know, stone faced we're not playing poker here this morning. We're, we're celebrating Christ. And uh, if something is connecting with you, it, it helps to see your expressions. That's how we read each other. That's what relationships are about. Here's some advice from a good God. First Thessalonians 5.16. Again, this is from last week, but it fit, and I told you I'm bringing this back. Here we go. It says in the message, Be cheerful no matter what. Boom. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. You ever wonder how God wants you to live or what God's will for you is? Ta-da! I know God's will for you. You know, it's it's quite simple and it is. It is simple. There's nothing mysterious about it. It's been laid out for us to be thankful and cheerful no matter what. Now, it does not say to be what is this here? Thank God no matter what happens. I can't bring myself to thank God for the car crash. I can't bring myself to thank God for the, let's say I break my leg or collarbone. You know, it's wherever he is. So he's hiding back there now. Um, you know, to, to come to that place and say, God, thank you that I broke it. Um, that's completely individual. You know, Russ may later realize, because I'm talking about him now, I'm talking behind your back or in front of it anyway. Um, he's uh, he's gonna realize perhaps n- he may not be thankful for the broken shoulder or collarbone, but he's gonna experience some stuff, moments that he would not have otherwise. Does that mean I'm thankful for the accident? Well, uh, you know what I mean. Like, what I don't want is joy boys and joy girls that uh, get all woohoo, praise the Lord, I had a crash, woohoo, see my arm boots has gone, woohoo, praise the Lord, it's all. Good come on. You know, or, and it gets worse. There are people that do that. They, they switch to this, this mode of uh, cheeky, just facial expression, faking a joy because it says to be joyful all the time. Well, hang on. There is a time to be joyful. There's also a time to cry. There's a time to weep, and there's a time to dance. There's a time to grieve, and there's a time to celebrate. Both have to happen, we're not called to be plastic believers that are always happy. Well, I'm not always happy. You know, there are moments that uh, I'm, I'm upset, I'm angry, or sad. Uh, I did a funeral recently where, man, I, I, I welled up with a lot of emotion as I'm hearing about the one who died. I'm thinking, wow, well, this family's deeply grieving. And I felt myself grieve with them. I'm not going to sit here and go, well, they're with the Lord. Aren't you happy about that? Are you kidding? Well, the Lord had a better plan. Shut up. Don't say stuff like that. Not helpful. But there's still joy that can be found in it. I know people who've had deep loss, deep hurt, brutal hurt. But as they work through the pain, there's still joy, Jesus, walking with them. Okay, It's still there. It may not be as dominant, but it's there. Something to consider as we're walking Thanksgiving. The New Living Translation says it like this: Always be joyful, full of joy. Never stop praying. And as we said last week, that does not mean you close your eyes when you drive. Okay. Very bad. Very bad. You want to talk about distraction? Yeah, try explaining that to the cop. Be thankful in all circumstances, in all. Okay? Uh, for this is God's will for you, for who for who belong to Jesus Christ. So You've probably seen this uh, cartoon of Snoopy and Charlie Brown, and I want to show you a comparison of some attitudes that are common in our culture and how a slight word can swap out your mindset. Just one word can change your response to a common saying, or you might be focused on a a type of thinking, and then one sentence will suddenly jolt you. Oh, and now you're on a new track. So one day we will die, Snoopy, And Snoopy says, yes, but every other day we will live. You've heard that one? Well, here's here's another one. We only live once, Snoopy. You've heard that. Wrong. We only die once. We live every day. (laughs) It's a changing of the road. You just took an off-ramp onto a much better highway. All right? So this is the very negative approach where Snoopy is bringing in a, hang on rethink the slogans that we have uh, uh, repeated over and over again, you know. Uh, I used to say the phrase, hey, you live once and then you die. You know, woohoo, that's really positive, you know. One more. Uh Uh-oh, come on. Give it, click. All right, is somebody, not you, it's not me? Okay, give me the next one. Someday we will all die, Snoopy. Uh, True, but all the other days, we will not. (laughs) So... Snoopy just has to spin it into a happy way and cause us to think in a more thankful way. Because if you focus on the dying, yes, guess what you're going to see? Death and darkness. Uh, I've heard people say, oh, especially last year when all these celebrities were dying, at least the newspaper was expressing celebrities were dying, and suddenly people are saying, oh, my goodness, all these people are dying They've been dying all along and you haven't cared then. You know, people die every day. You know, there's people dying every day and people being born every day. Like, there's, I think it's like, uh, there, there's some. How many? 10,000 people per being, yeah. being born? Being born. But there's also a number dying. So the number's offset. But either way, growth is more than the death right now. Where the world's just getting larger and larger every day. Like, that, those are big numbers. Your perspective matters. Well, how do you approach your day when you wake up? Are you more of the negative spin, or do you wake up on a more positive? Is that before my coffee or after my coffee? (laughs) Well, but honestly, the mindset we bring to the table really expresses how, or rather, determines how our day can go. We can have the same events happen every day, same routines, but with a certain attitude, it all changes. Suddenly everything looks negative or everything looks really positive. Even with a negative thing happening, you get to choose. You do. Let's take a look at this. Bruxy Cavey, I love this post that he did. He says, Dear God, please help me be awake, attentive, and available to everyone I interact with today. That's a great prayer. Isn't that great? Here's what he means. Awake to my identity as God's image bearer. What a fantastic way to start your day. I am a child of God. I am the image of God. I am clean. I am holy. I wake up a child of the living King who lives in me. I know my identity. Okay? What a fantastic way to start your day. Number two, attentive, because here it says awake and attentive and available. Attentive, giving the gift of focused attention to others. How many times we just brush off people and have your dutiful hello at the coffee shop or what, you know? But to stop and have a focused intention on somebody and to to ask, How are you really doing? You know how you you have that pause? How are you doing? You know, sometimes somebody asks you that and you go, Ooh, they actually mean it. Instead How's it going, eh? You know? Well, they don't really care. Usually when you have, How's it going, eh? It's like, Yeah, fine, eh? and, And it's kind of the, the, the banter. There's, it's just a nice, you know, dear mom. You know, in your letter, that's all it is. But when you go deeper and pause for a minute and ask, "How are you really doing?" or "What's what's hurting today?" you know, your, your conversation will suddenly change, and it changes your intention. And the last one, he says, "Available, ready to invest time and energy as opportunities arise." What if God is presenting you? A profound moment to impact someone's life. A profound moment to speak light into someone. A positive encouragement. Somebody may be thinking of um, considering taking their life. And people are doing that right now. They're thinking of it right now. All around the world. It's a huge problem. Suicide's a huge issue. The, the bent of depression can bring you past a marker of darkness where sometimes there isn't coming back and they take their life, or at least they attempt. What if, what if they're here and they meet you? And through a kind gesture, even if you just buy the person a coffee or just smile or open the door for them, there's a kindness light that's shone into them. And you have no idea you've impacted them. These are the kinds of things to wake up to. This is where you get to choose your attitude. Get an attitude, yeah, a good one. I saw this, I thought this was really cool. Note to self, what is my purpose in life? I asked the void. What if I told you that you fulfilled it when you took an extra hour to talk to that kid about his life? Said the voice or when you paid for that young couple in the restaurant, or when you saved that dog in traffic, or when you tied your father's shoes for him. Your problem is that you equate your purpose with goal-based achievement. The universe isn't interested in your achievements, or I would say for me, and for where we are here, I'd say God is not interested in your achievements, just your heart. When you choose to act out of kindness, compassion, and love, You are already aligned with your true purpose. No need to look any further. Sometimes we overthink. What's God's will for my life? What's God's purpose for me? What direction should I go? Because my world tells me I have to have it planned out. What if God's going to show you as you are going? you ready for that? If you're not looking for it, you won't see it. But if you're attentive... You may hear it. And by the way, God's really good at get your attention anyway. Next. All right. Why is this sucker not working? Here we go. KFC. Since it's Thanksgiving, and he does chicken, but so what? (laughs) You want to talk about an attitude? This man has a story. There are a couple of biographies that have been written, and they almost contradict each other. But the essence of the story is still the same. Some of the facts, not quite sure. But there's a pattern of truth here that I want to share with you to show you it's never too late. And your attitude does matter. Mr. Sanders, at the age of six, his father died, five or six. In seventh grade, he dropped out of school, and then he left home to work on a farm. At age 16, he faked his age and enlisted in the army. One year later, had an honorable discharge. Then he worked as a railroad laborer, got fired for fighting. Studied law, but got kicked out due to another fight. He became an insurance salesman, but got fired for insubordination. <laughs> See a pattern? <laughs> um, in 1920, he founded a ferry boat company and tried cashing in to create a lamp manufacturing company, only, only to find out another company had a much better product. He was married at 18. At age 19, he was a father. At age 20, his wife left him and took the baby daughter. He became a cook and dishwasher at a small cafe. Some say he owned a motel and it burned down. He failed, he, he failed in an attempt to kidnap his own daughter and eventually convinced his wife to return home. Later, he retired at age 65. On the first day of retirement, he received a check from the government for $105. $105. He felt the government was saying that he couldn't provide for himself, so he decided to commit suicide. Life wasn't worth living anymore. He had failed so much. He sat under a tree writing his will, but instead he wrote what, would, what he would have accomplished with his life. He had realized there was much more that he hadn't yet done. There was one thing he could do better than anyone he knew, and that was how to cook. So he borrowed $87 against his check, bought and fried up some chicken, used his recipe and went door to door to sell them to his neighbors in Kentucky. <laughs> Remember, at age 65, he was ready to commit suicide. But at age 88, Colonel Sanders, found, founder of K- Kentucky Fried Chicken, the entire empire was a billionaire. The moral of the story is never too late to start over. It's all about your attitude. Never give, give up no matter what. Even when he was writing things down to give up. Because he did, right? He gave up. He came to the point of giving up. Well, guess what? There's even hope in the giving up. And somehow his mind shifted. Like, that's just one guy. And now people are eating greasy stuff. (laughs) Is that a really good thing? I don't know. (laughs) But he had so much stuff go on in his life. So many hardships. And we can read stories about all kinds of people like this. This author, Douglas Abrams, was writing about a, a bishop and a Buddhist. And so this quote was from that book. Both Christians and Buddhist traditions, perhaps all spiritual di- traditions, recognize the importance of gratefulness. It allows us to shift our perspective as the Dalai Lama and the Archbishop counseled, toward all we have been given and to all that we have. It moves us away from the narrow-minded focus on fault and lack to the wider perspective of benefit and abundance. Sometimes we forget how much we do have. And I I promise you, one of the greatest hindrances to seeing the abundance we have is looking at somebody else's stuff. One of the worst places is Facebook. And I mean that. Because some of us paint a rosy picture we want everyone to see we create a fake picture of our lives. Or, may not be necessarily fake, but it's like, like 24 seconds in one day. Snapshot of happy. Oh, yeah, this is great. Put that online. And everybody else goes, oh, what a lovely family. Oh, they do so much fun together. They must have a joyous family. You're right. Yeah, two years later, they break up. And on and on. The crisis after crisis after crisis. Be careful when you compare. Don't compare. Whose eyes are you fixed on when you're comparing? Somebody else other than Christ. We're going to read a verse in a few minutes that, re- that reminds us about keeping our eyes focused. You get to control your attitude. When you're acting in a bad mood and, boom and all that really lousy, nobody-wants-to-be-around-you attitude, I know exactly what's going on. I you're behaving according to what you're thinking. Everybody does. In the moment, whatever you're thinking about, that is what your behavior will look like. So when you're, you're enjoying life and you're being like to others, your focus is more on life. When you're being a jerk and you're uh, short with people and snappy, it means you're, you're, you're focusing on self and you're upset about something about yourself or your circumstance and everybody else is contaminated with your negativity. It rubs off, but a positive attitude has greater power, and it really ticks off those with bad attitudes. I know that doesn't always work. It's like they they don't want they like their misery, but that's not what we're called to. I'm equip. I'm showing you some equipping tools to help you walk in a better way. How to choose your attitude? Number one, accept the invite. You've been an invite. You have been invited to have a great attitude. We begin with this, Isaiah 55, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk, it's all free. And I'm thinking, where's that party? <laughs> I'm in, right? Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. This is God inviting us to a banquet a banquet of plenty, a banquet of abundance. When we focus on our lack, we don't see the abundance. When our focus is on what we don't have because somebody else seems to have it, our attention is not on what we do have. Your choice. Choose your attitude. How? Look within. You don't have to go far. Just look inside. Philippians 2, 12-13 says this. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Here it is. For God is working hard in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Look within. God is already giving you the desires of putting light to other people, to being a positive influence around you, to be a voice of reason, a voice of hope. In a world today, man, this world needs so much hope, a lot of hope. We can bring that because the hope is already in us. And you look inside because it's Christ working in you. Not only does he plant the idea, he actually gives the power to do it. Oh, and he's the result as well. You get to participate for free. That's a good deal. Number three, encourage someone else. This helps us with our attitude. Let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Not not to pour out. Okay, some people think God was wanting to pour out anger. This is the exact opposite. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other. And build each other up just as you are already doing. This is a big deal. When you're encouraging someone else, who are you not focusing on? Self. Yeah. It could be a little bit humbling if we pause this week and realize how often we look at self. Yeah. Take a look inside. The power of God working in you. Encourage someone else. Number four, look for it. Some of us walk around like this. You know, We don't see anything else going on around us. And we're just so focused on our current steps right in front of us. I just, all I can see is the one step. And we don't look around and see farther ahead of us or around us. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about, same thing as putting your sights on. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. I love this line here. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I think the Christian church has messed this one up. Their pendulum has swung so far to only thinking heavenly. You've heard the line, you know, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. (laughs) Well, a lot of believers have done that. And they've chosen to believe this crazy end of the world escapism thing that God's going to pull us out of the destruction of the world. Therefore, we don't have to take care of our environment. Well, wait a minute. That is a legitimate thought that people are thinking. It is, especially if you're into the old end times thing, where you know got the tribulation, the world's going to come to an end, it'll be destroyed by fire, and God's going to create a new heaven and earth. That is a theory, but what if that's not what Jesus was talking about? And we've talked about that here before. What if Christ is in all things? All things: the earth, people, the universe. He's called us to maintain. And take care of what is before us and around us. I'm learning this one. This is a big learning curve for me. It's a good one. I'm for a hope-filled perspective. That's where I want to point people to. And right here, we're, we're encouraged to do this. Keep our sights focused on Him. Yes, we, have our, we need to see the reality of Christ at work in all things. If we're going to look for it, I'm going to look for Christ in people. I want to see the light in it. I want to see Christ at work in in nature and and how we preserve things and clean things up. There's a a company that's just started and and they've just done the first batch of cleaning plastics from the ocean. It's now working. That machine thing's working. It's successful. It's going to take a long time, but it's working. And if that's just one person, one company doing it, imagine the whole world collectively slowly. I, I I think there's hope much more than the doom and gloom we're hearing today. Half of it's politically driven, and I don't like it. I, I don't know which story to believe. It's really difficult. So if I don't know which story to believe, I'm going to focus on Christ. Father, show me where I live, in front of me, around me. How can I, be an, how can I make an impact and, and be a light to people around me? It's, it's very practical if you're looking for it. Number five, live it out, act it out. Hebrews 12 says, since... We are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witness, witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Then it says, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You mean there are things that can weigh us down that are not sin? <laughs> yep, there are. I'm not going to tell you what they are, because I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, you guys have to figure that out. Let the Holy Spirit show you. But it says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Oh, I love that. God is your initiator of your faith. You did not muster it up. You didn't find it hidden under a tree at Christmas. Jesus gave you your faith. He's the initiator and perfecter of it. He's the one at work. There's no independent faith. That's impossible. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, uh, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Run with the vision and direction God's given you. If you don't know what that is, that's fine. You can still rest in your spirit and wait, but there's still work to do. There are things around you to still be doing. God's not going to have a, such and such a company phone your phone number because it'll come to that person in a dream They call this number and hire this guy. Really? I have not heard a single story of that ever happening ever. Okay? You know, this is not about sitting around, I'm resting in the Lord, you know. He'll find me a job. Pass the chips. Um, no. doesn't happen. Get off your donkey and work. Put every effort into being who you are, okay? Really important you see that. Number uh, six, how to choose your attitude? Take time to contemplate and meditate. Habakkuk 2, yep, Old Testament. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. There, I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint will of that. You're allowed to complain. (laughs) Then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So two things are going on here. This individual is going up to a place of quiet and alone. Okay? We used to legislate that in the church, that you have to have your quiet time, you have to have your devotions, uh, and we made it a duty. Well, as soon as you make it a duty, guess what happens? Nobody wants to do it now. But what if you get to? What if you discover the value of having five minutes, 10 minutes, half hour. Um, and, then, and then people end up bragging, I spent an hour with the Lord at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah, well, I did 5 a.m. Well, I did 4 till 6 a.m. And on, it gets stupid, okay? Th- that's not what the comparison's for. For you, it could be between 11 and 11.15 11. because you happen to be on coffee break and God's showing you something about himself taking time to meditate and contemplate what is God showing you. And some of us are inclined to write stuff down. I know one guy in this church who you'd never think of him as a writer down of notes, but once in a while he hands me these scrap pieces of paper. I'm thinking, what is all this? And their thoughts God gave him. Oh, context. So he'd been jotting them down. He didn't want them to be lost. I started doing that with my calendar because it's the easiest thing to grab and type something in. When a neat thought hits me, I I don't want to forget it. But we need to take time. If you don't take the time, you're not going to be able to hear and recognize the voice of the one living in you. Now, God's still big enough to get your attention. But hey, there's some wisdom in Scripture that says, go take that time, find a quiet place. Jesus modeled it. He went off to a quiet place. He liked his buddies, but he needed time alone with his heavenly daddy. And he did. He found value in it. And they recognized it. Lastly, Henry Nouwen writes this. Gratitude is the most fruitful way of deepening your consciousness that you are not an accident, but a divine choice. It is important to realize how often we have had chances to be grateful and have not used them. When someone is kind to us, when an event turns out well, when a problem is solved, a relationship restored, a wound healed, there are very concrete reasons to offer thanks, be it with words, flowers, a letter, a card, phone call, or just a gesture of affection. Every time we decide to be grateful, it will be easier to see new things to be grateful for. Gratitude begets gratitude, just as love begets love. That's something to think about today. Neuroscience today has proven clearly that when we have an attitude of thanksgiving and we, are, we begin thank, being thankful each day, even for short moments of time, try it for 30 days or 60 days, whatever it is, it physiologically changes your brain. It changes the chemicals, it adds, it it, it physically has an effect on your body, including the effect of your your energy levels, your sleep um, options, your sleeping better, uh, you name it. There's a whole list. I I didn't bring the list with me. But there's enough research out there. You just Google it and boom, you're going to find a whole ton of stuff on the first search. Dr. Carolyn Leaf is a great uh, person who studies this stuff um, and how science and faith work together. She's worth looking up on YouTube end with this today. Gratitude begets gratitude. Just as love begets love. Have you ever sat around at a dinner table and, you know, family says, okay, everybody, say something you're thankful for. Ugh. You know, you go, fine, I gotta think of something fast because my turn's coming. But something does happen. As you go around and the first couple might be kind of corny, then it starts to get more real and suddenly goes around and maybe even goes around again as more and more people start to wake up to layers that they're not thinking about normally that they realize, ah, I have more thankfulness in me than I realized. And the conversation turns to become more enlightened. May you bring that back to your family tables today or in the discussions you're going to have one-on-one with individuals or on your own quiet walk or moment of time together. I hope you consider that. Let's pray. Father, wake us up to your goodness in us. Wake us up may we walk in thanksgiving in all that we do. Amen. This morning, we're going to take up an offering. We're going to take up two offerings. And uh, the first offering is for Hope Fellowship because it costs to be here. Those that are watching online, I encourage you also, if this has been an encouragement to you or any of these messages, you can give online as well. We could really use it. It'll help us keep going. Um, But the second offering,